welcome, welcome to episode 64, not Nintendo 64, of Rapid Reviewers Radio. <laughs> and um, as always, I'm going to apologize if you can hear my fan in the background, but I'm in a cellar and it's cold. Um, <laughs> so I am your co-host, Kylie Wilde. I'm joined by my ever-present co-host, Peach Beckett. She likes to call herself the Dungeon Master. I am the Dungeon Master. Um, and a very, very special guest today, Brit. Bueno. <laughs> Every time. We love it. Welcome uh, welcome back to the Madhouse. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You have to be this mad to join this Madhouse. Um, I'm going to turn off my fan there. Oh, great. <laughs> I can hear my heater in the background. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> this is an audio adventure tour for everyone. Uh, no, today's uh, today's episode is actually I, it is a special one. I have looked forward to this for a while. Um, we actually thought of this uh, of, of discussing this subject last year because it's a little known subject that deserves a little, to be a lot known, yeah. um, and that is accessibility in gaming. And, and the way that we're coming about this is that, and I'm not going to try and cause offence with this one, but we're going to go into this, like, basically dumb. We're going to be completely yeah. clueless, and we're going to ask Brent about all of this. Yeah, because Brent is a very well uh, qualified, I would say, expert in accessibility, uh, and I'm going to let, let him tell you why here in just a second. Uh, but this is an episode that if if we don't cover something, if you have questions, please get back to us because we really want this uh, to to be at the forefront of people's minds in mm. gaming. And there's um, possibly things that we won't know that we might ask that you you might be thinking throughout the whole episode. But if there is yeah. anything we have missed uh, that you specifically want to know, get in touch, like Kylie said. We can yeah. always forward the questions on to Brent. He can answer himself if we yep. are unqualified we to do, do another so. another one of these later. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Could I be. would like to... Um, I've got some feelers out to uh, some other folks that I would love to have an actual roundtable uh, discussion with differing uh, levels of, of uh, accessibility and stuff like that. Mm. Um, yeah, we did so, reach out to another person, but unfortunately they couldn't join us, which is slight, mildly disappointing, but people are busy these days you can't help yeah, that exactly um so without further ado um i'm going to introduce brent which i already did so hello brent again <laughs> but you just this... wanted to hear him say bueno again didn't you <laughs> yes makes me feel like i'm back home um <laughs> so but i'm gonna let uh i'm actually gonna let someone else talk can you believe it no i'm gonna let uh brent tell us a little bit about himself and uh uh just how that all pans out um i lost the word i was gonna say why why he's qualified but i was like that doesn't sound right um i'm gonna quit talking is really what it's gonna happen and then brent's gonna start talking okay so Okay, Here let me let go. me let me word this in a way that might be slightly better. Brent, would you like to describe your affliction? Okay. Is that does so, it, is that better? Um, this this kind of all started uh, when I was about three years old. Um, I had a brain tumor that was pushing down on my optic nerve. Oh. And they didn't get to it in time, so it 
caused significant damage. Mm -hmm. So as of my most recent kind of um, testing and whatnot, uh, they've determined that I am uh, 100% blind in my right eye, which is, I've known that forever. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have 29% of the normal visual field in my left eye. Oh, blimey. That's with a lot. corrective lenses, I can see 2020 within that 29%. Right. Yeah. But it is significantly narrower than most people's. Sure. Right. And because of the nature of uh, optic nerves and just the damage kind of causes different things, I also have issues with some colors, specifically mm. reds. Um, I can't really see in the dark at all. There's other issues that go with it, but that's kind of the biggest thing. Okay. And the best way that I can tell people to kind of get a feel for it is to cover one eye and then, like, either use your hands or, like, a uh, toilet paper roll to yeah. look through the other eye. Oh, right. Okay. That's and interesting. that kind of gives you an idea of my vision all the time. Hmm. Well. Um, so when all this happened after the surgery and things and was going to see all these doctors and stuff, I had a doctor literally prescribe that I play video games for at least an hour every day. Excellent. And is that's that, what that... got me started. My parents went out that day and got me a Super Nintendo. Kind of Good. dating myself a little bit there. Doesn't matter. It's a great start. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I had a cousin give me his uh, NES as well so i had both those systems to get started uh shortly after that I ended up getting a game boy as well um and that kind of started my video game journey now was uh, this the original game boy yeah the brick yeah classic and with, with the uh the grays and the greens did you find yep. that uh, a struggle in any way or was that better i actually think it was better right yeah because of uh, contrast. I, really, I played a lot of tetris Oh yeah, I did too. And me, I could, me too. I could tell the the different shapes very well. Yes. Okay. Cause, yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it also because of the very limited color palette on the Game Boy itself that it actually helped? I, with I that? think so. I think that they just they had a better um, contrast between the colors. Yeah, because I, there's many. I I agree with that. They did do a lot of like stuff on the back end. If I remember stuff from Nintendo themselves, they that that green screen was actually a very legitimate choice on theirs. The one to save money and also because of certain accessibility reasons, I believe, and for power consumption. So a, each game was obviously designed around the fact that it had this green scale background, pretty much. Mm. Well, yeah. Um I want I want to discuss a little bit of your your early history playing video games. Okay. Um, so, um, just to help my kind of brain timeline <laughs> understand this. Um, so, did you get then? Did you get uh, your first system when you were three? Was that? Did yeah. I understand that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, as you as you grew and and playing games and stuff. Um, where did you notice or did you think that anything was missing from them did you find it difficult did it get easier as you got older that type of thing 
I feel like initially probably not. I I think just like getting into uh, larger color palettes, you know, moving from like eight bit to sixteen bit to sixty four yeah. bit. Mm. Uh, you know, especially the jump from two D to three D. Right. Yeah. Were were very significant uh, for relearning how to play games it, for me. Yeah, I mean, for most people, it was a, obviously a very different perspective change from going two D to three D. But you obviously had the perspective change as well as like having to relearn like visual aspect basically. So exactly. I imagine how difficult I can't imagine how difficult that is really. I feel like the 3D thing was probably the biggest setback because I don't I don't actually see in 3D. Right, cuz it's the depth of field thing. Well, because you have to have two eyes for that. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I've lived most of my life without ever experiencing what 3D life is like. Mm. So switching from the 2D games, which almost felt more lifelike to me, because oh. that's just kind of how I experience the world, right. to a 3D setting, yeah, was was very jarring. Uh, yeah. I, I remember, like the Donkey Kong Country games, I really enjoyed mm -hmm. on the Super Nintendo, yes, being 2D, and then going to Donkey Kong 64, I almost couldn't play it. Well, there's many other reasons why you can't play that game. <laughs> um, well, so pre pre sixty four era, let's say, did mm, you okay. have a particular game that you were more drawn to because of visuals? Um, or just drawn yeah, to in I, general? I don't really. remember what I played the most on Super Nintendo. It was probably Earthbound. Ooh. Oh, right, right. Yes. That uh, is and I don't know if that was a visual thing or just because of, like, the turn-based combat being right. slower, the menus being set up really well so I could pick the mm -hmm. different actions. Yeah. I could see the health and, and side numbers. and Yeah. Uh, That's a, that I, is a I think maybe that was a reason why I played it so much. That I would say that probably is the case because uh, Earthbound has a very striking art style, especially it with its battle system as well, and the fact that you have the the rotating um, uh, health and the fact when you take a hit, obviously it's like a countdown timer. So yeah. I would imagine that probably did kind of help with that sort of thing. Also, the lack of backgrounds probably helped with that as well. Oh, now that now that's a yeah. good point. Um, when. When you go from NES to, uh, let's say, uh, uh, the Super NES, um, like in, not all, but in a lot of the NES games, the background's kind of static, but, you mm. know, the SNES, especially on Super Mario um, World, is it World? You know, the first yeah. one that was yeah, on the it was. SNES. Um, you know, the background goes one direction and the foreground goes another. Mm. Um, were you able to see that? Or was that um, Yeah, I, I do remember playing Super Mario World. I don't think I played it as much as I did the NES Marios. Right. That's kind of exactly what I'm asking. Um, yeah. because um, I feel like at some point I probably did realize to just kind of focus on the foreground. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
because I don't really remember much of the backgrounds at all in that game. Right? Uh, most of them are very green. That's about uh, it. In, in Mario in World. The... Really? Because I... I, well, I... There, obviously, the opening area has a lot of greenery. There's a lot well, of like, yeah. desert yeah. There's a couple of desert areas. There's um, uh, What I meant by but greenery was... is like the Forest of Illusions area specifically was oh, very gosh, yeah. green. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Even like when you're on the, when you're in the castle and oh yeah, God. climbing the fence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly that's... what I'm talking about. Okay, um, yeah, it's the it's the movement of like the background going one way and the the, yes. the player going the other way. I, I exactly know what you mean now. That. Yeah, um, I know that for for myself with as far as I know, no you know outstanding vision problems i wear glasses but that's it it makes mm. me nauseous even to play it so i was just wondering if that ever um you know was were if you were ever affected in a similar fashion or any other fashion really mm, i i really can't think of any games that would would cause any kind of nausea or anything like that right mm. usually um, the first the thought it's confusion Right. Uh, okay. Knowing what I'm seeing, okay. not so much. Uh, this uh, is what I want. Thing like that. This sure. is what I really want to touch on for our audience is your experience. Not so much as us outsiders looking in, but you know, like us seeing through your point of view. Uh, I want. I want to know that. So, um, so confusion is definitely at the forefront. I would think. Um. Mm. Do, and I'm still in early days, uh, SNES and and stuff like that, and sure. 64. Uh, did you rely? Do you did you uh, rely on sound a lot of time for the menus and stuff? Yeah, right. yeah. I think the games that had um, defined sound effects for different things sure. would help a lot. Mm. Other than just kind of a standard sound effect for like all the enemies' attacks, sure, right. If it had like different sounds for different things. It did help. Was, was there any particular game that you noticed that they had more defined sound effects than than any other, or any particular series or genre of games? I feel like the the Donkey Kong Country series did a pretty good job of the different enemies having different sound effects. Yeah, their cries are very different, and I, I always noticed that as a kid as well. Uh, yeah. That's the one that jumps out at me. Mm. Yeah, see, I'm, uh, the, I'm... On the N64 era, it was probably anything made by Rare. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rare yeah. Were, were absolute masters of doing things like that. So I mean, they did the Donkey Kong Country series too, but yeah, this... As a whole, I feel like Rare did a really good job with that in the N64 era. Yeah, because you look at games like GoldenEye and Perfect Dark, both made by Rare. They're very, very different, even in like not just tone, but sound effects and environments as well. It's a very, very unusual sort of way of doing things, considering that obviously Perfect Dark was supposed to be a sequel to GoldenEye. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm a big fan of of Perfect Dark. I I don't know why I didn't really get into GoldenEye. Yeah. I I did eventually end up playing it, but I played way more Perfect Dark. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I know a fair few fans who, or fair, fair few friends who are very, very similar as well. They were like, GoldenEye's okay, but Perfect Dark is my jam. Yeah. 
let me ask you this on previous generations um what would you say was your your favorite genre and i mean that based on of course you're just absolute because you are drawn to it but you know uh what it did one genre like fps versus rpg did it stick out more than any other or are they kind of all just uh, well i feel like the older your back you go the less genres there are that, i agree with <laughs> True. that yeah so yeah. like super nintendo only had like platformers mm-hmm. or and like earthbound was kind of different Mm-hmm. Yeah, whilst being an RPG, it is quite different to most regular RPGs. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then moving to the N64, I feel like that was really when like the first person's per- perspective was a thing. Mm. Not necessarily a shooter game, right? But just a first-person platformer or a first-person shooter. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. It was after the fact that That's Doom so came out on PCs that developers really yep. started well. to look into that. I, I would go even farther back to Wolfenstein. Yeah, okay, yeah, you you would, but most people would say that Doom was the most popular game of that time, and uh-huh. therefore most people emulated that one. Oh, and Quake and all of that. Um, so did after you... that, I I moved to PlayStation, and it was pretty much that all was, RPGs. That was my next question. Um, <laughs> moving off the original gen, and yeah, I'm sticking 64 in there. Um, I was going to ask, did you ever have a desire, an opportunity to switch to PC gaming? And if so, how was that different than... Uh, yeah, we... My family didn't really have a, a PC until a lot later. Mm. Right. Um, and I wasn't really allowed to do much with it. It was more for my dad and his work. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I would get... Maybe an hour, yes, uh, a day uh, after school that I could play around on it, and that yes. was usually the Incredible Machine mm-hmm. was the game that I played. Wow, uh, okay. And aim. I was gonna say, okay, so did you have a uh, like a messaging service, and uh, yep. was that were was that affected? Uh, you know, did, did I have less accessibility for you or, you know, that type of thing? Was um, it accessible? I, I remember that it initially had a fairly small window and it was yeah. like I would have to kind of get close to the screen to see the text. Right. But eventually they let you make it a larger window and that wasn't as big of a deal then. Right. But I remember initially it was like a sidebar-sized window. Oh, it was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And that uh, was kind of oh, difficult. Right. Okay. Yeah, because you'd, you'd sign on and go, you have mail. And then you could pull up your aim and it would be to the <sighs> side, like you said. I know. Sorry, I was being really thick there. I wasn't sure what you meant by aim. And then you meant the sidebar. I was like, of course you're talking about AOL Messenger. <laughs> I told you, I'm, I'm dating myself. No, no, no. I, Even I was on it over here as well, and it's say, awful. <laughs> AIM and Messenger were my freaking life from, like, 11 to 17 or something like that. Yeah. When uh, uh, Not Facebook, but the one before that came out. Oh, uh, uh, MySpace. 
MySpace. That's and MP. Bebo. Did you actually um, hear that Bebo's making a return? I did, but that's <laughs> but Americans don't know what that is. Yeah, nobody which is cares weird, anyway. Because I move had on. one. Yeah, um, but actually, um, that kind of it, it's we're, we're you know that's still bringing us up in that timeline. Um, so PC gaming is a relatively new thing for me. Right. Okay. Because we we just had that one computer that I wasn't really allowed to use, mm. and then I remember getting a laptop as a graduation gift. Right. Okay. Before I went off to college, but it wasn't a gaming laptop, so yeah. I couldn't really play games on it. Mm, yeah, so it wasn't really until I moved here after college that I one of my first investments after buying the house was to get a desktop computer that could play games. Yeah, right. And uh, that wasn't even the initial goal of it. It was to make a PC that could run complicated Excel spreadsheets. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, but that just meant it was a gaming PC without a video card. <laughs> so All I right. just bought a video card and it became a gaming PC. <laughs> and um, what what year are we talking here on this one? Uh, uh, yeah, so this would have been probably 2012, 2013. Oh, okay, yeah. So that okay. that's why I said PC gaming has been relatively recent for me. Cause sure. It's, it's been that recent that I've had one that could play games on PC other than like Oregon Trail right. and yeah. <laughs> Incredible uh, I, 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 G. I was going to say, can we not talk about Oregon Trail? Because that brings back memories of a podcast I was on. Um, (laughs) Good podcast. Yes, it is. Um, Skip ahead a little bit with that question about PC games. No, that's fine. I I remember getting a GameCube, and I remember not liking it. So I gave it to my sister, and I got a PlayStation 2. I would probably say that's probably a good choice, if I'm honest. Uh, As a diehard (laughs) Nintendo fan, I would say... I. I shame myself by saying I prefer the PS2 over the GameCube. Yeah, so the PS2 era, I feel like I mostly played RPGs. Right, okay. It's a good RPG box, to be fair. Oh, yes. I have to agree with that. Um, So, so thinking of genres that jumped out, that's what jumps out at me for that era. Okay. Uh, I have a particular question. Is there any particular genre of game that you just outright can't play because of of accessibility reasons? Very good. You know, I really can't play any sports games. Ooh. Anything with a small moving ball is just not going to work Ooh. for me. Yeah, this is the stuff I want to I want to discuss because I mean, let now let's just put it all out on the table. Now you do like sports because you watch cars go in a circle. Yeah, we <laughs> consider endurance racing a sport. I I do. I like I, endurance I, racing as yeah. a sport. I consider motorsports a sport. Oh yeah, but I want to set up for our listeners that this isn't like, like someone coming in going, oh, I don't like, uh, you know, uh, sports games and blah blah. blah. No, yeah. you're coming in and you're saying, I can't even play them. I can't see the ball, right? Am I correct? Like, I, I mean, for I want our it, audience, it, so. it extends it, it. It goes beyond gaming because it. I can't even really watch them effectively either because it would be the there same thing. Okay. Oh, wow. okay. Okay. There's a small moving ball that I can't keep up with. Right. Yeah. So this is that I want to. I want to uh, our listeners to. Racing has these big cars, and I can see them go around the track. Sure. I right. get. I have. I have memories of being in the hospital, watching NASCAR races because that right. my dad was in the NASCAR, and this mm-hmm. was when my vision was really bad. Mm-hmm. And all I could see was the number four Kodak car. 
yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> it was bright yellow, and yes. I could watch it go around the track. Oh, gosh, yeah. And so the driver became my favorite driver, Ernie Irvin. Yeah. He ended up having a wreck, and he had damage to his eye. Um, right. never put that there's, it, it's a pretty neat story that that, ha- that happened. He was in the hospital at the same time I was in the hospital. Oh, Blimey. wow. And so my parents knew that I was kind of in a bad place, and they were asking these drivers oh. to to try, try to do something for yeah. me. Yeah. And, you know, and so they talk about, you know, Dale Earnhardt was the big driver at the time. Yes. And he just didn't want anything to do with me. Wow. But then Ernie Irvin was like, oh, yeah, I'll come meet him. Oh. Like Whoa. He was, okay. He was ready to, to fly across the country, come to the hospital and meet me when he had his crash. Oh, so he sent, right. yeah. he sent one of his crew members instead with all kinds oh. of merchandise and memorabilia, all of it signed. That's so when I got home, my bedroom became an Ernie Urban <laughs> room. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not surprised beautiful. by that. That's awesome, though. It's a shame, obviously, you didn't get to meet the man, but extenuating well, circumstances aside, of course. I love that he still kept his his commitment. That's yeah. that's honorable right there. Um, yeah, so, so I that that was kind of the only sport, like I said, if you even consider it a sport, that I could follow because it had these brightly colored cars that were fairly yeah. large, and there was a nice contrast between the cars and the pavement. Mm. So I yeah. could see the see which one was in first, and and I could follow the action. Yeah. Um, does that translate to racing games? Oh, you took my question. I was going to uh-huh. ask this as well. <laughs> I want to know uh, your, your grand um, <laughs> I remember playing the old NASCAR games on like the the Nintendo sixty four. Oof. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they're not the uh, best, but I oh. could play them. Yeah. And then once I transitioned to Xbox, I really got into the Forza series of games. Yeah. Right. I'm a big yes. Forza fan. Um, and that's actually what kind of transitioned me from being a NASCAR fan. And I, I don't know if I would ever say that I was really a fan so much as that's what my dad watched. So that's what I watched. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. never really my choice. I mean, I did like Ernie Irvin and everything he did for me, right. but his career came to a fairly abrupt end shortly after that incident. Mm. Yeah. And I kind of lost interest in the series as a whole. Um, but through playing the Forza games, which were very accessible compared to other racing games, okay. I got into the endurance racing that I enjoy now. That yeah. I was watching up to the minute before we started recording the 24 yeah. Hours of Daytona. Yeah, we were talking about I, this before. I had what? sent my dad a message earlier this morning about planning our trip to Road Atlanta later this year to see a race in person. That's <laughs> great. But I want you to expound a bit more on what made it more accessible. Uh, uh, also, as a, bi- as a by question to this, does this also reflect on Project Gotham racing as well? I never had a chance to play at Project Gotham. Okay, right. yeah. I, never, I, I, I never had... I, I didn't get an original Xbox until after I had a 360. Uh, oh, right. right, okay. Project okay. Gotham Racing was dead at that point, and it was yeah. actually hard to even find copies of the game. It yeah. was, yeah. I yeah. don't know a so single person who ever played those games. 
Forza was really the game that I got to play, starting with the 360 era with Forza Motorsport 3 was the first one that I played. I later ended up getting a copy of Forza Motorsport 2, got to experience that as well. Okay. Well, um, but so, yeah, from the accessibility me... standpoint, yeah, it is great. Not only do you have different difficulty levels that you can set the drivers at, mm. but generally they even have it broken up a little bit more into like how aggressive you want them to be as well. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so like that would just be something just just having um i i want to say more detailed but that's not really the word control more control maybe i guess more control over the difficulty Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is already impressive but then the fact that they had what they call assists which makes the game way more accessible yeah so uh you can turn on a driving line Mm-hmm. Which, oh yes, which, right. which, I mean that's now essentially the standard for most racing games, isn't it? It, it? is. Yes. That's true. Oh my gosh, I forgot uh, about that. But you that made it easier to see when turns were coming. Yeah, yeah, because um, it'll give you the different colored indications with mm-hmm. just the road kind of all being the same color. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard mm-hmm. to see if it's actually making a turn or not. Sure. Right. That's if there's no like brightly colored curbs or anything yeah okay uh, and then sometimes even the color of the track compared to like the color of the surrounding grass or sand or whatever could be mm-hmm. not that contrasting yeah uh so the driving line helps a lot just seeing where to where the track is going so you can kind of be more prepared yeah um then you can turn on auto braking. So if yes. you miss a turn, you don't mm. just slam into the wall and are out of the race. It'll just automatically brake for you to make sure you know that the turn is there. Sure. Um, now, that doesn't mean that you can't brake on your own. You can still use your own skills to try mm. to, uh, you know, outbreak your opponents. But it's a, a safety net in case you don't see that there is a turn there. Okay. You're not just completely out of the race. Yeah. So- um, they Later on, they even added assisted steering to try to keep you yeah. on the track if yep. you went too far one way or the other. Um, and the, the newest games have track limit indicators mm-hmm. similar to the driving line. So they're... Mm. They change color based on how close you are to them. Yeah, that's so that's what I'm getting going off the track. Yeah, I'd noticed that a lot in Forza Horizon 4 when I was playing it. That's very cool. Um, like, just all these assists that they have are, are useful in so many ways. Okay. So, uh, you, the automatic uh, transmission, so you don't have mm-hmm. to kind of keep track of what yeah. gear you're in, because that part of the HUD can be hard to see sometimes. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, that's pretty helpful. Okay. So, uh, in terms of the Forza series, obviously, there's two different branching series. You've got the Forza main, like, motorsport, and you've got Horizon. Would you yeah. say that they're much for alike in terms of their accessibility, or does what, or do you have a preference one over the other because of certain issues? certain things about them that are I, more positive. I prefer the motorsport series for a couple of reasons. I, I feel like I'm a little bit more attached to it being the older series. Sure. Uh, I also like the motorsport aspect of it since, you know, I'm watching the endurance racing. Mm-hmm. 
so that connection is a little bit better. Sure. Uh, but the main thing is that it's you're racing on tracks, and I can I can learn the tracks. Yeah. I I can memorize the turns, okay. and I I feel like that's actually one of my greatest strengths in the game mm-hmm. is that I can know when turns are going to happen and know when the proper time to break and everything is. And that helps me get my, my lap times down and, and eventually leads to wins. Yeah. But with the horizon games being open world, you can't really do that. Right. You can't memorize. Like, I guess you could theoretically memorize the, I guess, suggested routes, like the routes that the AI would take, but that doesn't mean that there's not, shortcuts and other routes that you can kind of cut through because it's not a track it's open world yeah and so i never really feel like i have a an advantage or even a, a way to even practice that kind of racing yeah because i can't really see those openings for shortcuts and things that makes sense. Yeah, I I did notice that actually when I was playing Forza Horizon Four myself, when uh, it suddenly turns into the snow uh, season, where mm-hmm. I think there's a time trial where you've got to go up to the top of a mountain and then back down it. Now the suggested route had you going through all all through the roads and all of that, whereas to get the quickest time possible for a gold, you just cut across the grass like the whole time. So there was no track to learn on that one. So I can totally understand why he would prefer the track, uh, the track racing, sense. basically, in that respect. Because you know what you're dealing with. You know, you know, you can memorize everything, like you said. Yeah, and that's just that's a big thing in my life as a whole is just memorizing things and where they are is better than being able to see where they are. For me, mm. yeah, um, I, I like think I, I like to go to places that I've been to before because I know what to expect. Yeah, and I don't feel lost. And I complain all the time if, like, my mom comes over and moves something, <laughs> even if it's just a little bit. Yes, you yeah. know, moves a chair or a lamp or anything. Yeah, it's, even it's, though I could theoretically see it and realize that it's in a different place. It was better for me to just know it was there right. and not yeah. have to see. It, it's essentially the muscle memory, technically, isn't it? Yeah. I you guess that, that's a way to think of it. Yeah. That, but that that, oh. uh, that begs the question of um, procedurally generated games. Um, they were okay. really big a couple of years ago. Thankfully, they're not as big. I don't like procedurally generated games. But <laughs> have you played any, like, uh, I don't know, No Man's Sky or We Happy Few or just any of those? And, you know, did you find it different than... Yeah, so I don't... I don't. I kind of agree with you that... Mm-hmm. Um, don't like I, I don't like No Man's Sky. I did try <laughs> it out a little bit. It was on Game Pass. Why not? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like Dead Cells... Oh yes, right. Again, it it's mm-hmm. a kind of a different kind of procedurally generated, but um, we happy few the like sandbox mode. I didn't like right. the the more story mode. Is yeah, it's better. more linear. Yeah, yeah. On the story mode. Um, yeah. So uh, I did enjoy the story part of it more than I did the like survival aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
because of that. Um, but then one of my favorite games, I think, does it right. And that's, we've talked about it before, Warframe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It is technically procedurally generated, but right. they use what they call tile sets. Right. So they just oh, right. the same tiles in yeah. different combinations to create the maps. Yeah. And so even though it is procedural, I can learn each individual tile. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really matter what order they're presented to me in. I know where I'm supposed to go. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes absolute sense. Um, Well, let me ask you this one thing and then we'll move to the next gen. Um, While you were in school, um, did did your classes make use of uh, like computers and gaming? Um, I happen to have been in classes that did. So I'm just wondering if, if you had the same kind of thing. Uh, I'm, I remember my second grade teacher had an N64 in her class. Yeah. Nice. And if you finished your work early yes. or you exactly. didn't want to go to recess, <laughs> you yes. could play the N64, which uh, was amazing. Yeah. I always finish my work early and I never wanted to go to recess. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. So yeah. I got to play the N64 quite often in that class. That's great. Okay. That's, that's, um, that's what I was asking, when I, really. <laughs> when I kind of moved on from the N64 mm-hmm. and kind of became a PlayStation player, I, I donated a lot of my games to that classroom. Oh, that's excellent. Oh, that's a very um, good thing. Absolutely. Because, as we know now, teachers don't really have the best salaries. No, they do not. That's so very true. There wasn't a l- large selection of games to choose from, which right. for the average person probably wasn't a big deal because the the average kid in the class wouldn't get to play through them. But I, I beat yeah. several of the games that were available because I played <laughs> them so much. Exactly. <laughs> and and what, uh, what were the games that were available to you in that class? So there was uh, Mario Party, which I guess you can't technically <laughs> Oh. Hey, I play. Uh, I played Mario Party by myself many times. Look, <laughs> I've played. I've played the mini games yeah. of Mario Party by myself. I really Mario, wish I had one of those gloves. I would compete against myself. Mario sixty four, which I did oh, beat. Gosh. And I, and oh. I had the, my own. I five to you. Level. Oh my god! So gosh. I technically beat that twice. Wow! There I was commend, a game with a robot. Game of a robot. Why does that I, sound familiar? I, I don't. Like, I want to say it was like Roblitz, but I feel like that's a different game. Right. But there was like a robot in like a carnival. Huh. I don't remember the name of it, but I'm pretty sure I beat that one. Ah, it was got it. It's a ro- <laughs> rocket robot on wheels. Oh, leave it to Pete. <laughs> um. uh, that's an Ubisoft game. My God. <laughs> Uh, there was Glover I remember Uh playing and I'm pretty sure I beat that as well yeah Yeah. now that makes sense though there was probably a Mario Kart game or something like that too but Uh, more than likely yeah I don't know if you can really beat that either Uh, well time trials are a thing on on Mario Karts and I've spent many many hours doing those over the years (laughs) and that was pretty much all that there was while I was in the class, of course, like right. I said, later I donated a bunch donated, of other ones yeah. so that the library could get larger. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that 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 is something that, I mean, obviously I 
come from the U.S. South as well. Um, and education isn't our strongest thing, but I was very fortunate because uh, I was in special classes. I was very fortunate to have teachers that they may not have understood video games. They may not have even cared about video games, but they knew there were students who did and that needed it, and they would bring them into the classroom. You know, yeah. and kind of the same same that, deal. That was really yeah. the only teacher I remember doing that oh, initially. Wow. It right. wasn't until like fifth grade that we got a computer lab. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I remember playing, oh, remember. if you call it a game, Mario Typing. Yes. Oh, absolutely. yes. Oh, heck yeah, uh, that's the game. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was their way of introducing kids to computers yeah. and typing yeah. back then. <laughs> Look, it's definitely um, better than Mario is Missing. Oh gosh, <laughs> we had Mario is missing, and I just couldn't. I couldn't make my way through it. But yeah. we had when, the typing too, so I love yeah. that. Yeah, well, that when is... I went on to middle school, computers were a little bit more prolific. Instead yeah. of having a lab, like we did have a, a a room in the library that had a bunch of computers, but each individual classroom, generally speaking, had at least one computer as well. We we it had mostly for teacher use, right? But some some teachers were willing to let the students use them as well, and that was that was mostly the Oregon Trail time period. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask a lot of Oregon Trail I, during it, that time. I've wanted to ask how many times have you tried to complete Oregon Trail in your years? <laughs> I I feel like because uh, we had homeroom which was just a, a short period mm -hmm. when mm. they would take attendance and they would yeah. do the announcements yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. And so there was nothing scholarly really to do during that time. So I remember I pretty much every day I felt like I, I did a run of Oregon trail during homeroom. Okay. And how many times did you die at dysentery? <laughs> Hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know if I ever successfully beat it. I know I got to the like ri river race thing at the end. Oh yeah, that's quite far. Um, several times, but I don't know if I ever actually got to the end of that. Mm. Um, well, at that time we had an entire computer lab donated to us of uh, Emacs or Imacs, oh, yeah. the one with the terrible plastic computers. Uh, yeah. Did you ever play? on a Mac, and was that better, worse, the same as a PC? Uh, I don't... I, I know that they were there. Right. I, I, I don't really remember a huge difference between them, because there wasn't a lot to do at that time on either one to even really compare. Right, okay. Um, I feel like it was hard to find some of the icons and things on them. Yes. To Windows. Um, the reason why... Speaking. Well, the reason why I'm asking is because it was around about the time that the... E I keep saying Emacs. Emacs were the bigger ones. The iMacs dropped that Microsoft started really pushing the accessibility. Now, they Windows has always had a form of accessibility, but uh, they started to kind of... Um, 
separate themselves out as someone who, or as a company that was going to focus on accessibility settings. Um, and that's why I was asking that because uh, Macs are quite well known for being difficult to maneuver and around. You, I, I joke with my mom all the time about this, that I don't know anything that starts with I. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like, even oh, an iPod, so I didn't have. Right. Okay, well, I mean, uh, and that's that's bringing us up. So that's that's even better as yeah, we so moved into the next gen. To, when I got to high school, computers were everywhere at that point. Right, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the way I like. Most of them were older because, you know, mm -hmm. public school system, they're not going to have yes. the latest thing. So it was still... There was still a lot of Oregon Trail, I think, going on. But there was mm. there was a, uh, one one teacher who did engineering classes, um, so he had to have some computers that could run AutoCAD. I was gonna say AutoCAD, yes. So he he had these better computers, and I remember he was a very lax teacher. Oh, yes, um, the best. Coach. Our deadlines were very long. A lot of days he just would he would just be like do whatever you want. We could go get a movie from the library, you know. Like, <laughs> and so we we played on these computers a lot. And I remember the popular one then was uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Ooh, yes, which was a very big step up from Oregon Trail <laughs> that all the other computers were running. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh uh, gosh, yes. Many hours on that game. That's for sure. Oh. Um, well, did you find stuff like the Tycoon games? Like, uh, did you did you find those pretty straightforward, or were they a little bit difficult on the accessibility side of things? I, I almost feel like it was almost two different games mm -hmm. because there was like the building side of things, right? It was right. easy to see, easy to place things. Oh, there was usually a grid. Yes. Um, that I could do, but then there was like the management side of things where you right. have to like identify where long lines are or where people oh, need man. a trash can and there's just trash right. piling up, and that was hard for me to see. Right. Yeah. See, this is this is um, the thing so that much we never smaller, think of. and there mm -hmm. wasn't really a specified place for them to be. They could just be anywhere in your park. Yeah. yeah so generally speaking, I would just. I would have some sort of system of just like, oh, I'll I'll put a trash can five grid spaces away from each other, everywhere, right. regardless yeah. if they're needed or not. You know, just to make sure that it took care of that. Mm -hmm. And I would make sure I hired a lot of support workers, you know, like the janitors and things. Um, yeah. So if I miss something, they would just automatically go take like care of it. Like the vomit. You missed the vomit. Yep. <laughs> yep, never <laughs> saw that. I only say I think everyone wanted to miss the vomit. You know, it's funny, though. In Theme Park, I'm trying to remember. In Theme Park, it had a, a sound. It had a sound. But I don't think Roller Coaster Tycoon had the sound effect. I don't think so either. I don't I think don't, it, no. it would have stood out. It would have stood out. Yeah. That's very interesting because theme park's older by far. Yeah. Um, so would you say that uh, uh, this was a similar situation and a similar problem in terms of game design with most builder games and like SimCity on the snares or theme park or theme park world and stuff like that? Uh, I actually played a lot of SimCity. 
Okay. I don't think it was as bad with the micromanaging. Yeah. Yeah, because it or, it's, or at least I never builder. it never clicked with me because I there was a sim sim world maybe possibly Ooh. yeah that, that came difficult. later it was a yeah. sim city game that was the whole world and I, and yeah. my world never survived no it always got too Nobody hot <laughs> yeah I think um, I always ran out of water so there might have been some clues hidden in there somewhere that I could. You kind of fix those problems before it happened, but sure. I never. Yeah, it was saw a hard it. game anyway. Yeah, I think I <laughs> that think is cement. Yeah, I think the only thing for me was um, in terms of like vision stuff because I I don't I don't have the best vision out of everybody. Like I don't make it well known that I've had lots of operations on my eyes over the years. Um, right. But I always found that trying to see the cars on Sim City was very difficult. You know, when you get a build up of traffic, that was the worst part for me. Oh, okay. Because I was like, wait, what do you mean? Do you mean SimCity 3000? But uh, no, no, the original SimCity. Yeah, the traffic on SimCity on the SNES. Yes. Um, Yeah, I I don't really remember traffic management. So either I couldn't tell or just didn't care. Uh, yeah, I think it got to the point eventually where I just stopped caring. I was like, I, I can't, cared. I can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> like they could, they, I could see it, and never cared. It was like, yeah, it's just a car park. There you go. <laughs> like I would literally just like rather than having roads, I would just connect roads together, so it made like a massive parking lot basically. So as we moved into the, I'm going to call them middle gen. <laughs> um, they have numbers associated with them. Uh, yes, yes, true. they do. That's we true. can never remember which ones are which, though. <laughs> true. Uh, um, yeah. Once you get past the 64-bit era, it's it, yeah. kind of incomprehensible anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> once we start going into... Look, here's the thing. I've never made this a secret, and um, I think Brent's on the same same way that I am, which is I am a Microsoft fangirl. I try to balance it out. But, yeah. I mean, Xbox came on the scene, and then, of course, the Xbox 360... Now, as far as accessibility, Microsoft was taking what, you know, they'd already had with Windows and was starting to put it, you know, to use on, on the, the Xboxers. Um, so did you have, you said you had a 360, but it, am I correct in, in saying that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I basically skipped the Xbox. Right, because you got that after that would have been the same period of time I had the PlayStation. To yeah. be fair, I got a PlayStation before I got the Xbox. Um, there was a while there that I had to be a PlayStation girl. <laughs> um, but um, did you... Was there a difference for you and your point of view uh, from going from the PlayStation 2 to Xbox 360? Was there a difference in accessibility for you? Yes. Okay. I still think to this day that the 360 was probably the most accessible console. Now, what makes you say that? Even though I already agree with you, but let's say so, for our listeners, what one of the big that? things is its dashboard system. Mm-hmm. So you could, it, it was the like the equivalent of an OS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. yeah, and you could Absolutely. have settings in the dashboard that would apply to everything. So I yes. could, I could tell it that I wanted it the largest text possible on the mm-hmm. dashboard, and not only would it happen on the dashboard, but every game I played 
would automatically give me the largest text possible. That's pretty good. I, didn't, I did not realize yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. either. It had, like, just these... That's fabulous. Uh, ...base-level accessibility options that you could just set it once and not have to dig through settings in each individual game. Right. That's very good. That's cool. Um, so... Uh, the switch between oh God, I said switch, but you know that's not what I mean. Yeah, I know, <laughs> the I change. Actually, have you ever played a switch? I I have never played on a switch. Okay. Is there any um, particular reason why not? Uh, I guess I just it's been so long since I've had a Nintendo system. Mm -hmm. I've just I just never really thought about it. Okay. Right. And that's I fair think enough. just the transition to a more mobile platform never really appealed to me. Uh, right. Even though I had a Game Boy back in the day, and, it, and mm -hmm. I feel like it was a good investment on my parents' part because right. I remember road trips and things with... Oh, gosh. Uh, and being able to play my Game Boy, I'm sure it was a sure. big help oh. to them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, gosh. And investing in batteries for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that was like the system was cheap. The batteries were expensive. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, so, uh, but you know that was really, I I, I kind of moved up through the Game Boys during that time. So I had so, a Game Boy Advance. I actually had several Game Boy Advances. Now that I think about it, <laughs> um, and then I had one of the original DSs. Well, it's kind of where I stopped. I was going to say, I don't think 3DS would have appealed to you anyway. Well, um, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It no, makes it, me want to vomit, and, it, and I too. have depth of field. Um, so, uh, that, that that's what the question was. I was going to say, was, does that not lead into quite an important one about VR then? Well, no, not yet, but that okay. is coming up. Um, actually, I wanted to talk about mobile gaming. Um, do you play on a telephone? Do you have a tablet? Is that just not on the cards? That type of thing. Uh, so, I do have some games uh, downloaded, but I hardly ever play them on my phone. Mm -hmm. The only right. one I can really think of was Forza Street. <laughs> right. Well, there you go. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> because it was a Forza game, and yep. it is actually really well done from a visual standpoint mm -hmm. of just having it like a minimal HUD and kind of all the focus being on the track. And so right. it, it is fairly easy for me to actually play. Yeah. Um, but that's really the only one I can think of I played on my phone. Uh, I don't. I haven't had, I guess, my own tablet for my own use for a while. I got, right. I had one of the first couple Surface tablets. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Um, that makes sense. It's a Microsoft product, so. Yeah, and I was trying to run Excel sheets on these oh, right. devices, and that was way easier to do on a Surface than anything else because sure. it was right. basically a laptop in power anyway. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. Um, I feel like there were some games I had on it. Again, they were there wasn't that there wasn't a huge library of them because it was a Windows platform, and right. they've always been. Well, at some points, it's probably been even less than BlackBerry in market yeah. saturation. So. Exactly, exactly. Plus, they are more business. Um, BlackBerry. <laughs> hey, BlackBerry so, had its time. 
yeah for about 10 yeah, minutes so there just wasn't a lot of games I, I feel like there was like jetpack joyride i feel like oh I yeah yeah this. yeah and that was pretty <laughs> fun but there just wasn't a lot of games that i would play even if i had the capability to yeah i, well, I have a tablet now that's not even technically mine it's my dad's <laughs> but oh, he okay. never uses it so he just gave it to me Brilliant. all right <laughs> and i i now use it for xcloud streaming oh my Brilliant gosh that's stuff. great <laughs> Great. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's just way better for me in so many ways. Yeah. Than just sense. downloading a game and playing it with, because you you end up with these mobile games. They you got to have places on the screen for your touch controls. Right. And, oh and yeah. Right. You have a HUD and you have controls on the oh. screen. You end up with a very small amount of usable space for the game right. itself. Yeah. Exactly. And it, it just kind of gets crowded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But oh. by using xCloud with a controller, you kind of move all the controls away from the screen. Right. Yes. Right. Uh, the- and they've done a pretty good job of games that do have larger HUDs being either able to customize it to eliminate things that you don't need or mm-hmm. making it smaller on mobile devices in general. Yeah. Uh, right. So I haven't really had any trouble. I haven't tried playing everything through xCloud, but the games that I have played have worked perfectly fine for me. That's good. But, um, so, Pete, did you want to ask something before we move on to VR? Uh, not particularly. I was, uh, the reason why I brought VR up, because I thought it was Mm -hmm. just a, a, quite a natural point that we could talk about that yeah we we kind of glossed over the genres of games in the 360 era oh yes that's true we talked about it earlier okay okay. that's right yes that was really when i feel like first person shooters were the big thing you know that was oh yeah the halos or i guess not all of them were first person there's like gears of war and yep well only duty just kind of exploded and um, in more ways than one well also exploded I know, I know so what you meant there's a lot of shooter games that I played during that time yeah. and you, I feel like like were they able the, to the kind of baseline accessibility mm-hmm. and kind of the simple nature of those early shooter games made it doable for me and maybe it was just because my vision was slightly better then. Now that I've kind of moved up to like the Xbox One era, and I hope to get a Series X mm-hmm. whenever they're available on Amazon again. Yeah. Um, Good luck with that. <laughs> It'll happen. Eventually, eventually yeah. Um, I've kind of stepped away from the shooter games. I feel like they've gotten a little bit too complicated, uh, and they've gotten a little bit more... The color pal- palette is less subtle. helpful. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's like I don't too, know how to do you think it's just it other than less too... helpful? Because I remember some of those older games, like you would spot an enemy and they'd be like outlined in red. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like really easy for me to identify enemies and, and be able to shoot them. But then right. newer games don't do that. No, they don't. And I just. I just can't see what I'm supposed to be shooting at. Sure. Well, it's very murky grays and browns and, okay. and stuff. So really the only shooter type games I play anymore are the 
the world of games, so the world of tanks and world of warships. Yeah. yeah. As well as they have Warframe. body systems yeah. that will show you enemies when they appear and they're much slower and more tactical and not so much whoever sees each other first wins kind of situation. Right. Sure. Right. Okay. So, uh, talking about shooters in particular, and there are very other many genres of games that require certain thing. I wouldn't say require, but there are certain people out there who excel at those kinds of games because of frame counting. So uh, oh. you, your Twitch shooters obviously are like 60 frames per second. Your fighting games are generally as such as well. Mm-hmm. Would you say that you have an issue with with like seeing as many of these sort of frames that, that are possible? Um, so, for example, like with Street Fighter, you'll uh, say Ryu will do a crouching medium kick into a fireball. Is there certain frames that you just won't be able to see in that string? Or is it just that you know, your vision itself is just impaired to a certain way, you know, that you can't, it's just, just can't, you can't see the depth of field. I don't know if I've ever really thought about it or been asked about it like that. Like I've been asked to like the transition to like high definition. Sure. How that worked. Or like, to 14. I'm like I can't, yeah. I can't tell the difference between any of them. Oh, okay. I actually like, asked a unique question. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> You know, from like a resolution standpoint, like DVD quality, like 480p looks the same as 4K to me. Oh, okay. okay. Like getting below that, getting like back to like VHS standard, I can tell a difference. But yeah, I don't care about this 4K, 8K stuff. Like none of that. Very interesting. I can't see it. Sure. Frame rates, I never really thought about. That's what I want to know. I don't know if it's so much uh, if I could see them or not, but... I feel like I just generally have a lack of uh, like response times because it just kind of takes me that extra little second, millisecond, whatever, to yeah. process what I'm seeing. Uh, that's right. sort of where I was coming from. into what button to press. Yeah, right. that's sort of roughly where I was coming from in that one. Like, so, there... Yeah, so I don't know if it's so much that I can't see each individual animation or if it's by the time I've processed each one and know what to do, it's already over and I'm dead. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so maybe those the lower frame rates are actually better. Yeah. Just so, give me more almost... time to kind of comprehend what I'm seeing. Okay. So, yeah, your 30 frame per second it. games over 60 is probably more your preference then. Probably, yeah. I guess. I, yeah. I don't know if I've yeah, really no way. Yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting to actually see see whether or not that has an effect, really, to see, you know, especially with games specifically like running at 30 frames per second on the Xbox One to see what it's like if you get the, the performance boost with the Series X or the Series S when you do get one. Uh, when it hits 120 frames per second, I start getting nauseous. Yeah, I so, think that's what inspired the question, really, because I know that you have yeah. a problem with seeing higher frame rates. Yeah, so it's 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 very interesting. That's a thing I want to know, uh, <laughs> Brent. When you do get the 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 current gen, I guess we call it now instead yeah. of next gen. I, I I refuse to call it anything but next gen until next I can gen? walk. Okay. In the <laughs> I can I can relate to that. Yeah, me too. Um, like I I cannot call like I, I can't in good conscience call it current gen until it's literally have, yes. I can make a snap decision to go buy 
yeah. a PlayStation 5 and just walk into a store and there's one on a shelf. I'm going to agree with you there. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. I'm um, 100% behind you as well because it's still next gen to me because I still haven't got one. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm on an island. I don't know if we'll ever get them. I think you are an <laughs> island generally anyway. I am an island to myself. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I do. I want to know. I want to know uh, how it affects if it affects when when you do get the next gen, uh, the frame rate and stuff. But that does lead us into VR, which I do want to know. Have you played VR? Um, and if you have, do you get it? <laughs> um, get it? Yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> any of the current directions that they're going with mm-hmm. are really tailored to me. Right. Sure. And so I've just never even considered it uh, because of that. Right. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Um, that That is another thing that I would be curious about if you ever do, you know, say, and it's going to happen. Comic-Cons, they're, conventions, they're all going to happen again in the future. I promise. We you hope. We hope, but but I have to believe. Yeah. Uh, so if you ever do play VR, I would very much, and I know our listeners would, I would like to know of your experience. Um, you know, because again, for me, I just, like, I love VR, and I've always loved it, but I can only take about five to ten minutes of it, or, and then I start, <laughs> <laughs> Great description That was my there. butters. That's my butter's impression. Yeah, I, I had an opportunity <laughs> at one of those conventions you mentioned. Uh-huh. I was at a video game convention a couple years ago that had a yeah. VR set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my first. So time. I had an opportunity to do that. I just never yeah. even bothers. Yeah. So, okay. Um, so uh, my next question is is about uh, is about VR technically in terms of obviously Kylie mentioning about motion sickness. Uh, does the impaired vision obviously help uh, lead to motion sickness, or is it just specific to uh, I, I some people? I actually think it's the opposite. Oh, right. I've okay. never had trouble with anything like that. Like even even when I like, I don't even know why. I'm guessing it was my sister wanted to see a 3D movie, so right. I was in a 3D. Oh right, okay. And I and and of course I don't see it in 3D. I just see like three different layers of the movie because there's like the non-3d layer that has all the color and stuff and then there's like a red layer and a blue layer oh yes of course you know and so i'm like seeing triple the whole time and it wasn't that it made me sick or anything it was just stupid (laughs) (laughs) welcome to 3d movies yeah it was very interesting it did need to be there for me to enjoy it just right. i could watch the TV version and be fine so i remember walking out of that movie theater and playing on the arcade games that were out in the lobby <laughs> oh yeah to my sister and, and parents oh. to get out from the movie sure. i missed the movie uh, <laughs> but, but it's coming back it all is it honestly is. when when i turn around and i say the last movie i saw in the cinema was sonic that tells you how much I'm missing movies right now. I know. You know, I was already not really big into going to the theater and watching movies. I would usually watch two of them a year because yeah. there was usually really? a Marvel movie that came out yeah. around my birthday. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, and or around free comic book day. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I kind of made it a tradition with 
one of my friends and we would go to free comic book day. We would go play some tabletop games because that was usually oh, that was yeah. always a Saturday. So that was yeah. when we would normally play games anyway. And then that night we would go and watch the newest Marvel movie. And then there for a while, there was a Star Wars movie that came out every year around yeah. Christmas. Yes. And so that would be the two movies I would see okay. each year. Yeah, we generally don't talk about the Disney Star Wars movies at all. <laughs> <laughs> for probably That's some for reason or another. Podcast. Um, so that was probably the last one I saw was, I guess, Last Jedi. The Last Jedi? Blimey. Or was it? I know. That yeah. probably would, that would have been right before COVID hit, right? Oh, it was, um, no, it was Rise of Skywalker. That was December 2019. That's it. That one. That would have been the last one I saw yeah. in the theater. Mine um, was Jurassic World. What a movie to waste. Uh, what, <laughs> you mean, what, Jurassic World or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? Probably that one with the kids in the bubble cars. Oh, that was the that was Jurassic World. That's awful. Jurassic World series. It it just like I'm gonna say this and then we'll keep going. Yeah. There is a scene and this is not a spoiler for anyone. Why would it do? Uh, anyway, there's this scene <laughs> where um there's some explosions happening and one of the raptors and it's all it's very extremely rendered cgi glory mm. uh gets like when you know like when cool guys don't look at explosions you know like the explosions happen oh. behind but it might throw them forward yeah it threw this raptor forward as if he were an action star and i was like i i can't i can't <laughs> can't, I can't. So, <laughs> when a velociraptor ragdolls right in front of the screen that's exactly it. you check out that I was like, yeah. Uh, my beef it's with done. the whole Jurassic World series is that it is so far removed from the it original is, Michael Crichton yeah. book fabulous, series. Fabulous, amazing original. Yes, the book series, and, and then and so I, I, I actually, I, I don't know if I would boycott them, but I would rather watch the kids-oriented animated show on Netflix oh. called Camp Crustaceous oh. because. Yes. It is actually very, very close to the original material. Is it really? I might have yeah. to give it a chance. Yeah, the, yeah I, I, oh, they lost me on on dress. I was so yeah. hopeful for it, but yeah, I know. Do you want to know what lost me with uh, Jurassic World? Sure. Bryce Dallas Howard running through a theme park with high heels on the high whole heels. time, running yeah. through grass and mud. And, and she not stays, stuck. like, she stays pristine. Like, she's in a white pantsuit. And oh, I know. Her but, perfect hair and makeup. And she's beautiful, but... I was going to say that, yeah. It's at least good, yeah. to, good to look at. Yeah, and I think that's probably why they had her there. But that's a different podcast. That's a movie uh, podcast. <laughs> speaking of movie podcasts, let's get... No, I'm not oh, going to do shameless no, plugs we, here. We are going to wrap it up soon, so you'll get to do your shameless plug at the end. Maybe. But, um, okay, so we've, we've made, moved through our generations. What currently now, and I I know one of the games because it was our game of the year. Game, uh, game of the generation. Now, yes, game of the generation. Thank you. Um, are you playing now, and do you feel it's got good accessibility? Yeah, so... That game that we've already mentioned is yeah. Warframe, and I feel like they they continue to be more accessible. 
They mm. just had a dev stream on Friday talking about the next update coming early February. Yeah. And one of the changes is that you can change the color of the text in the game. Oh my oh, god, finally. Like, seriously, so, I don't feel like games do this enough, and that's a really welcome change. Oh, it does, but yes. Yeah, like, they've all, they right. already had a, you know, a scale so you could make the text bigger, which is fairly normal at this point in games that have a lot of menus and text. Mm. Uh, but now they're introducing a way to actually change the color of the text. Okay. Uh, which I think is a big improvement in accessibility. So knowing that this game continues to address accessibility is is really nice um to to Um, see the kind of evolution of it go uh world of tanks Mm kind of had some setbacks recently with their it wasn't the latest update but the one before that that happened Mm -hmm. right before christmas completely changed like everything about the game how it looked and it it was really a step backwards for accessibility since then they've they've gotten better at Offering more uh, color choices, um, you know, changing some of the HUD elements, and it, they're getting there. It's mm. just it's taken a while, you know. It's almost February. This came out beginning of December, so yeah, of course, taking them a while to get essentially back to where they were before. Yeah, because I remember saying you saying on the Game of the Generation discussion that they obviously took Christmas off and they were working on the on these updates and that, and it was obviously on PC at that time, but it was coming to the the new gen or uh, the, the the older generation of consoles as well. So, um, well, let's yeah. Let's... So I I'm I'm really excited to see where that kind of goes. Are they gonna? Mm-hmm. Is Warframe gonna continue? addressing accessibility in the future world of tanks after they get all their kinks worked out are they going to be happy to just kind of stay where they were are they going to take the opportunity to kind of go further and make more advancements sure um Um, well it'll be interesting to see i want to talk about one thing that i think we take for granted uh that i would like to hear your perspective on and then we'll do a wrap up but controllers Oh, good question. Good idea. Yeah. Okay. Do, do you find that you need certain accessible options on controllers? And do some have them? Do some not? That that type of thing. What is it? Like, is controller, is that all feeling-based, touching-based? Yeah, I, I, I do feel like I gravitate towards the controllers that do have a little bit more tactile feel to them. Mm-hmm. Sure. So that I can use that sense more than vision to know where the buttons are. Right. Okay. Um, so, so, is there any particular controller that does it better than the other, or is it, uh, or do each uh, respective system have their own way of doing things that works for them? Uh, well, I I don't know if it's really one's better than the other. I think because of the xbox system being in the microsoft family Mm. that there's a lot more third-party options there with just these usb plug-in controllers that can be used on xbox or pc Mm -hmm. right and so that kind of led me to the controller that i use now and i started using them in the 360 era but it's Mm -hmm. the razor 
Rand controllers. Oh, Razer are fantastic for that kind of thing. I've yeah, seen them like them because they have yeah. they have good like backlights on yes. the buttons yeah. that make them easier to see, and they have just little tactile bits just all over the controller just to kind of help you help guide you to right. where the buttons are. Um, uh, well. Not that Microsoft does a bad job. I also have right. one of their Elite controllers, which is very similar in quality, but I still prefer the Razer. Um, yeah, that makes sense. There's a couple of extra options on there that are just they're just nice. Yeah, for you, so I don't know if that's really that the the base companies, you know, Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, whatever, are bad about it. It's just that there's more options in my eyes well, um, for that- Xbox controller. That leads me to this question um, before we wrap up. Yeah. Recommendations. Reckies. Um, do you have any personal recommendations for anyone that might have uh, you know, vision issues? Uh, you know, to tell you the Hardware truth, and I, my best thing that I've really found lately, and it's something I talk about a lot, mm-hmm. but Game Pass it's great because for a low monthly fee you can try out all these different games and you don't have to worry about spending money on something you may not be able to play right if you can't play it you just delete it download another one and you wouldn't believe how many games i found that have really good accessibility options that i wouldn't have discovered if i didn't play them through game pass that's excellent um what about unfortunately Uh, that service is only available on Xbox. Yeah, yeah. Xbox. and I guess PC. Of course. But yeah. PlayStation has a similar service, PS Now. Is that what they call it? Yeah, but it's not that great. <laughs> um, but it's still a subscription service that gives you a library. Sure, yeah, okay. Yeah. What I'm getting at is that that's always a concern for me is yeah. if I spend $60 on this game and I can't play it, that's $60 wasted. Yeah, especially with like um, return policies being quite aggressively bad these days as well. So that's kind of my other suggestion is if you want to take a chance on a game, buy it from somewhere that's going to have a good return policy. Yeah, My go-to is Amazon. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, They've they've got a very good return policy on games generally. Um, So if I'm going to buy a game, which I don't do very often anymore... Mm Mm-hmm. Partly because of Game Pass, partly because I'm now writing reviews for games and can just request codes for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but if I'm going to buy one, I make sure I can return it if I can't play it. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing that obviously Microsoft have done really well now is that even digital purchases, you get a two hour window like you do with Steam. Yep. I love that. Yeah. I, I think yes. it's so good. Um, um, well, but what about. Again, that's work? only on Xbox and not. All right. PlayStation yeah, and Nintendo, uh, of, yeah, of course. You can buy those games on Amazon for any system that you have, mm-hmm. and feel somewhat secure in the knowledge that you can return it. Yeah. Okay, I do have a question in regards to games, uh, examples of games with accessibility <laughs> options. So, I think we had discussed it previously on another episode that there are certain games that have some incredibly interesting accessibility options uh what would you say is one of the better examples and what is one of the the least desirable examples of uh accessibility options in games 
Uh, well, I'll start with the least. Uh, the kind of what sometimes are looked at as accessibility, but really isn't, okay. is difficulty options. Okay. They're good. They should stay, but right. don't call it an accessibility option. Yeah, oh, I, right. I, okay. I actually have to but agree with you there. It's an accessible thing, but it really should be something that everyone has access to, not just those that need it. Okay. Right. Okay. So, part question on that one, like things like Dark Souls that are obviously aggressively hard and make no bones about it. Do you feel that there should be a difficulty option on those kinds of games? Then, yes. Okay. I All don't right. play any of those games for that exact reason. No, I because I don't play. Knowing Dark Souls. that it's hard for the average player that can see well enough, yeah, means that I shouldn't even bother playing. it. Okay, and that's that's solely just because of accessibility reasons more than anything. Yeah, like, like it, if I know the average player calls it hard, I can't right. imagine what I would call it. Oh, um, yeah, uh, impossible, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So why should I even bother? Yeah, I, right. I totally if they agree. Had difficulty settings, and you could make it so that the normal player then says that it's like a normal game, then maybe it would just be slightly harder for me to play, and it would be worth it. <laughs> okay, yeah, it makes sense. So but I obviously to loop back round. Games to, that won't yeah. say having difficulty settings or accessible, accessibility options really kind of... That's the, that's the lowest ball possible, other than not having any option at all. Okay. So, um, so good or great examples? Good examples. Um, I haven't personally played it, but I've heard great things about Last of Us. Yeah, it's what I we mean, mentioned on the uh, the Game Awards episode that we yep. did, how, how incredibly diverse the accessibility options are on that game. Yeah, so even though I haven't personally played it, I have seen people play it and seen the accessibility options, and it is very well done. Mm -hmm. And if you have a PlayStation and are interested in the game, I would suggest checking that one out. Okay. Uh, recently on Xbox, I got to play Jedi Fallen Order Ooh. Um, through Game Pass. Don't do it, Kylie. And that has pretty good accessible <laughs> options, too. Yes. Uh, I mentioned it before in the Game of the Generation podcast, yeah. I believe, mm -hmm. um, that Nier Automata... Um, yeah. Had yeah. some really good accessible options as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's multi platform. So. Yes, it is. Um, I guess Jedi Fallen Order is as well. So. Mm, Those yeah, you is. can get on the platform of your choice and have accessible options. Yeah. Uh, um, all examples that I had heard that had really good accessibility options in them. So it's good to hear, obviously, as affirmed by, some, by yourself. Yes. Um, I, I went into a little bit more depth in the other podcast about why the near settings were good. Um, the Jedi Fallen Order ones that really stood out to me um, were the automatic quick time events. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Which I think is a great accessible option for many different types of people that need accessibility. Yeah. Wow. Or as I mentioned earlier, just spotting the cue wow. for it can yeah. be take me a little bit longer. Yeah. And then just processing what I'm seeing with the cue to then press the button can sometimes mean I'm too late. 
Yeah, and right. so the visual aspect of taking that away is good for those who have visual impairments, but it's also good for those who have physical impairments mm-hmm. who may not be able to physically move their finger, hand, whatever, to press the button in time. Yeah. So any any game that has a quick time event having an option to turn them off completely, which is what Jedi Fallen Order does, you don't even see that there's a quick time event. Or just automatically completing them like other games I've okay. seen do. I, I mean, some of the South Park games did that. Yes. Where you still see it on the screen, but you're not controlling it. It just happens. Okay. Um, so either way is fine. I don't think either one's really better than the other. Yeah. Um, the Jedi Fallen Order one just kind of makes it more of a cinematic thing. Because, right. yeah. you know, just be like, you're falling and you grab onto this thing and it would have been a quick time event, but it just happens as almost like a movie. Mm. So you don't actually know that that was what was supposed to happen. It sure. just feels more like a movie in that respect. Okay. Uh, either way is fine, but that's a really good accessibility option for, as I said, many different people that would need that accessibility. Okay. I don't necessarily need that accessibility in terms of quick time events, but I'm going to use it because I hate quick time events. Yeah, I mean, I've always said that at the most basic level of accessibility is just giving options. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody, just any option you can think of. If if even only one person finds it to make the game better, you've done a good job by putting that option in there. 100% agree. And, And it doesn't have to be labeled accessibility. It doesn't have to be just for those who need it. You know, even if the quick time events are a big part of the game, giving that option to people who just don't like that aspect of the game is not a bad thing. Yeah, and it was a hindrance throughout the early 2000s, obviously, when Resident Evil 4 had done it, and then every game after that had had quick time events. It became such a drag to actually want to play those kinds of games. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um... And... it, it just seems almost frustrating at times when developers will make these games and just don't even put options in. Yeah. That, and I know it's not always easy to do those options, that it, it costs time and money, and you might have to have a specific accessibility developer or whatever, coder. I see nothing wrong with this, <laughs> yeah, developers. <laughs> but... At the same time, nowadays with games getting constant updates, yeah, why couldn't you have an accessibility update? Right. Yeah, and that, I mean, they did. I think with the Last of Us Part Two, they did come out with some accessibility options, but then added more post-game, didn't they? Mm-hmm. They did. Yeah, and the big update. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, well, and and that's fine. You just might, you might lose out on some initial people who would buy your game at full price yeah right how long you wait to have that accessibility update the price of the game may be cheaper but that's still extra sales you're going to have in the end plus you're building a reputation as a studio that makes accessible games now Um, obviously that's a double-edged sword because if you come out with your next game and you don't have all those same options people are going to be upset yeah exactly Right, I agree. Um, we are going to wrap it up, um, but I don't want to go just yet. Uh, is there any final thoughts you want to 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 share with? Uh, oh gosh, my theory just 
answered me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's an accessibility option. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but are there any any final thoughts that you'd like to give? Maybe the future well, of accessibility, that sort of thing. Kind of a wrap yeah, up. That was one of my closing thoughts was just options are better for everyone. Even those who don't have problems with the games, just giving the option to change the game can really open a lot of people's eyes to what games could be. And, and sometimes even changing some of those things make the game feel like a completely new experience and they'll play through the game again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which seems weird, but it's feasible. Right. Uh, I, I also feel like people should know that there there are those who have various disabilities that still enjoy playing games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it was kind of twofold with actually being prescribed to play games yeah. for at least an hour a day to help my hand-eye coordination kind of got me into gaming. Yep. But then later, I kind of realized it was one of the only things I could do with my friends who didn't have disabilities and be on a somewhat level playing field. Oh, that's a fair point, actually. You know, I grew up in a small town that was big into football. So right. a lot of people, even if they weren't on the team, would just play football in the backyard. Yeah. And I just couldn't do that. Right. Mm. And I feel like I, I would miss out on on connecting with friends because they wanted to go play football and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I could be like, hey, instead of playing football today, why don't we play Mario Party? Right. Or Mario Kart or whatever the case may yeah. be. You know, and they'll be like, yeah, sure, we'll do that. And we have a great time. Mm-hmm. And I get to be a part of that experience. Yeah. So thinking of video games as only for people who can play them is kind of a bad way to look at it. Oh, yeah. I, I, at yeah. this, in this day and age, you know where you can't get out and and do things with your friends face to face gaming has become so much more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. and thinking of how people feel now not being able to go out and do the things that they used to do think of how these disabled people couldn't could have never yeah. done that yes and gaming yeah. was really the only way to keep connected with their friends yeah and something that everyone could enjoy Absolutely. It's one of the few things that I do feel like brings everyone together. Like everybody could enjoy a, a video game of some kind. You may not like every game, and that's right. okay. You don't have to like every game. Yeah. But you can find a game that you and your friend both like to play, and you have a good time, and you never have to think about, is it safe to go to this place that they want to go? Is it safe to do the activity that they want to do? Yeah. You know it's safe to play the video game. Yep. Yep. And Absolutely. as much as there's been controversies and stuff around certain games and and the violence that's in them and whatnot, you know, sometimes those are legitimate concerns. I don't want to say that they're not, but those aren't every video game. There are yeah. so many games that cross so many boundaries. You can find you know, there's games about being a farmer. Like how how yeah. can that be bad for anyone? Exactly. Um, So just even keeping games away from kids because you think that they would be bad for them seems like a bad idea. Because 
uh, I personally saw the introduction of games to an autistic child. Mm-hmm. And I saw how much good it did for him to have something to open up to others about. Yeah. yeah. He One would play, time. it was it was mainly Super Mario Sunshine. Right. To me about the game. He could talk to me about Mario. Yeah. And it, got, it got him to practice talking about things mm. and interacting with people that he hadn't really ever done before. Yeah. Yeah. And I so nothing. I got to see him kind of grow and, and it and you may not always consider autism being a disability, but it can be. It it can be disabling. Yeah. And just seeing how games can help even that. I don't know what the games could potentially help someone with. Sure. So keeping them away from someone because of some perceived badness inherent in games mm. is really not a good stance to have, in my opinion. Yeah. I think like that's... I said, it's not a completely unfounded concern, but keep your eyes on it. Make make smart decisions about what games they can play if they're very yeah. young. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it'll be fine. Yeah. I do feel like the stigma around uh, basement dwelling video gamers has shifted a heck of a lot in the last 10 years at least. So there's not really much of that sort of, oh, yeah, you're just a video gamer sort of thing that you used to get back in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Like it is a lot more accessible nowadays generally for people to get involved in because there's so many different like genres and different types of games that can appeal to most people if i'm honest so you've got your shooters you've got your sports games you've got your your racers your rpgs everything you're casual there, yeah there is something for everybody and that's what i think you know gaming at the, the 80s and the 90s wasn't really thinking about but now there's really like hammering that point home that there is something for everybody whether or not you know you like these kinds of video games or you're unable to play these kinds of video games because of accessibility reasons they're giving you so many more options nowadays and i can only see that as a great thing yeah uh, as i already said just options in general are better for everyone those who need it and those who don't it doesn't matter options are good excellent yep um, all so right. I, I had to get my monologue in there somewhere. I know. Good I monologue. To clip it. I'm telling you, listeners, we're going to have a montage because uh, Brent has the best ending monologues. Mm. <laughs> uh, we need to True put to some form. patriotic music behind it. Oh, swelling music. <laughs> um, I am not, uh, I'm not doing the flag blowing in the background with the patriotic <laughs> music. I, I'm not. That, that oh, unfortunately, God. has been sullied by one particular orange man. Yes well um so that we're gonna we're gonna leave it there but i want listeners i want you to take all of this to heart as i know you will um because we have the best community ever yeah um most heartfelt um but on top of that i want you to look at things differently um Mm. because i know that my god this is not a pun i but my eyes have been opened during Ugh. this discussion, that's not a pun. I'm Ugh. being literal. I'm being autistically literal. Oh, I know you are. <laughs> that um, I'm seeing things differently. Uh, I would have stuff that I would have taken for granted. Sure. Um, 
because I didn't, I, I've never thought about it. I don't have that. So I have a different disability. Um, mm. So I would have never have seen it from that point of view. And I, I think it's very eye-opening and, and I, I'm pleased about that. Um, and I want our listeners out there to take that on board. Um, mm. It's definitely going to make me think a bit differently about this sort of thing now. Exactly, which is the whole goal of of this. Um, and then, of course, if you've got more questions out there, if uh, if you want to hear more uh, from Brent, because of course you do, uh, <laughs> uh, make sure you get in touch. Let us know. Um, Pete, what's our email? Uh, uh, well, before I say that, I was going to say that you probably might be able to hear more of Brent because he might replace me at some point because he's so damn good at this. <laughs> uh, all, jo- all joking aside, if you want to get in, do you want me to just do the outro stuff? Because you haven't you been Ron Burgundy today. No, I don't have it printed in front of me. <laughs> okay. Right, so if you want to make contact with us, there are various different ways that you can do so. One of them is by email, like Kylie said, which is podcast at rapidreviewsuk.com. Uh, another method is at uh, on Twitter, which is at rrradiopod. Specifically, if you want to contact Brent to ask more about accessibility, you can do so by... Brent, do you want to tell them? Uh, I guess Twitter would probably be the best. Mm-hmm. That's at Apophis1989. If you want to see me try to play some games while mostly blind on Twitch, I do that every now and then. It's a little bit different. Twitch.tv slash Apophis89. Yeah. Um, uh, if you want to hear kind of how I uh, write reviews about games and put put some accessibility things in those reviews, you can find those over at mentalhealthgaming.com. The newest one is a game called Olia, spelled yep. O-L-I-J-A. Wow, okay. But there's okay. several of them on there. Um, there's even an article on there buried somewhere. It was actually the first one that I posted. It was kind of my, um, I don't know, interview, as you would say, just a general yeah. visual accessibility and gaming article. Okay. It's, it's on that side as well. Excellent. Brilliant. One of these days, I'll get one of them on Rapid Reviews. You will. You will. You um, absolutely will. One I was working on previously has kind of fallen through. Oh, uh, that's a shame. For some reasons, but um, that eventually, happens. eventually you'll find them on Rapid Reviews, too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I'll link all of those in the show notes. So if you can't spell Apophis, because I can't, then I'll put it in there. <laughs> I, I have oh. to search it up every single time. I know, I do too as well. So. Um, but I want our listeners also to uh, to to let Brent know how much you appreciate uh, his his speaking, his story, his, his point of view, and everything. Yes. Um, because we we want to we want to bring more light onto this. Oh, type abs- of thing. Yeah. absolutely. We'll be trying to probably do a few more of these discussions, obviously centered around different sort of um, accessibility. Absolutely. So, but anyway, if you, I don't know why you want to, but if you want to contact either me or Kylie um, on Twitter, <laughs> you can do so. Uh, Kylie's is Kylie to greet. Yeah. And I'm going to go for a spill because it's like, like second nature now. It's K I L E Y T H G R E E T. And if you want to contact oh. me, uh, that's Pete Beckett one, which is spelled B E C K E double T and the number one because I am the greatest. <laughs> the greatest. No, uh, the greatest. You took the greatest. I did. <laughs> um, 
Um, but as always, we are so appreciative when you stop by and give us a listen. You could listen to anyone out there and you choose to listen to us. And we've, we've gotten some really good feedback. Uh, I think my favorite being uh, a listener who said that listening to Pete and I and our guests is like listening to two friends just chatting at the table. Do you, um, do you want to know what feedback I really liked the most? Sure. Why do you guys suck? <laughs> no, that's not true. I promise. And I, that was that was me just being a pain. Oh, that's so bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do. I like the two the the friends just sitting around the table, I, just chatting. Um, I do. Because as that's well. what we're going for, and and we want to brighten your week up as much as we can. Yeah, um, but not only that, but we also want to give you engaging discussions that make you think a bit differently yes. about life as well, which is what exactly Absolutely. what this is. Yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely well, if you ever want to have like a, a philosophy episode let me know <laughs> oh well, yeah that would be about five hours long because that's one of my favorite subjects yeah how uh, long is a piece of string <laughs> oh no don't <laughs> yeah we're not gonna go into that now no no we can't we can't um yes so uh anyway i'm trying to thank our audience <laughs> i know um, no, thank you guys for real. Uh, we love it when you join us on the Discord as well. Um, so just go out there, have a good week. I know the world is weird and it's going to be weird, but it won't always be weird or we'll get used to the weird. I'm not sure. I yeah. just have to tell myself that. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks as always. Uh, thank you so much to our uh, special guest, uh, Brent. Um, and I think that does it for this week's episode and we will see everyone next week bye bye bye